Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> How are you guys doing tonight? Okay, one of you is good. Um, well, it is exciting that you guys are here with us tonight. I uh, hope you guys have been enjoying this series because we're continuing and wrapping it up. And I told you guys, next week is our last week here. Sad day. Um, but we are excited about the summertime, excited about the change of pace, excited about all the things that will be going on, all the things that are happening. Hopefully you guys got some exciting stuff going on. Um, if you are if you're around this summer, we want to hang out with you guys. We want to be a part of all that you guys are doing. We're going to let you guys know, like Anna said, we're going to put some stuff on Instagram, uh, some stuff that will be going down this summer. If you're around, we want to connect. We want to hang out. It's going to be awesome. Um, we've been in this series it's called Suit Up. And tonight, we're uh, continuing in this, but if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. This has kind of been the start of everything. Uh, Understanding where we are in this scripture is what's key. Understanding the premise that we have seen in this passage is key. So go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I I thought early on when we started this series, um, I did not know that this would would run into uh, the time that the Avengers movie was being released um, but every time I see this bumper video, I just feel like it's time. It's like I feel like I want to like go somewhere. I don't know where. Um, haven't seen the movie yet, so no spoilers, please. Um, but I'm excited, definitely, for for that to be able to watch that and check that out. Um, I feel like suit up just kind of feels like something we need to say um, in order to get ready for that. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, starting verse 10, this is the passage we've been reading. I want to read it for us again. If you have your Bibles, follow along. If not, just listen, and I will read it nice and slowly. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says this. This is Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus, to the believers there. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand it, withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. 14, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes of your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Verse 17, and take on the helmet of salvation. And it says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. But so we walk through this armor, but the idea is this. Everything hinges on the beginning of this passage where it says, put on the armor of God that you may be able to withstand the schemes of the devil. Now, we said this from the beginning, but we need to agree with this. Otherwise, everything else in this, uh, this series means nothing. And we have to agree on the fact that there is a spiritual war going on right now. Look around you. Look around you. You can't see it. It's a trick question. There's a, a spiritual war, though, that is going on. It's taking place. It's happening here. It's happening now. And just because we can't see it doesn't mean that it's not true. I want everyone to take a deep breath. Inhale with your nose. Exhale with your mouth. Air is real. It's there. We can't see it. We can't feel it. Well, I guess here you can kind of see it because you see the haze coming out. That's artificial air. But there's a very real battle, a very real war that is going on that we don't see, that we don't think about. And the enemy, we said, is a genius by making us not see it, by making us not realize it. It's like we don't even think about it. How are we ever going to win? How are we ever going to fight? 
And yet it's happening now. It's going on now. It is real. And not only that, but it says that the enemy, the devil, is actually scheming. Now, that word scheming is a big deal because it's not that he's just hoping you're going to mess up. He's not just hoping you're going to make a mistake. He's actually trying intentively, scheming, studying, understanding who you are, what you're like, what you like, what you don't like, what matters to you, what's a temptation to you. And he's trying to get you to fall in a unique way that he's not trying to get somebody else to fall. And when we understand this, then we realize how much more important it is to have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes with the readiness of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and tonight, ladies and gentlemen, the helmet of salvation. Dun, dun, dun. I tried putting this on the other day. It made my face look weird, so I'm not going to put it on. I'm going to leave it right here, though. The helmet. You see, helmets are so important. They're so useful. When I was a little kid, I was super into riding my bike. I'll never forget this. I, have, I, was, I was pretty young. The way our house was set up where we lived in this one house in Rome, Italy, was that it wasn't a cul-de-sac, but there was this main road like this, like, like this was the road, and then our, our street was kind of like, it kind of made like a big U, went like this. So here's the main road. If you turned off of the main road, our house was here, then there was another road and another road that connected. So these two roads were parallel, connected to the main road. And then there's a parallel road to the main road, and this road hardly had any traffic ever. That was our Indy 100. That's where we would go and race our bikes. Now, I don't remember how old I was at this point. Based on some, some quick math that I'm doing in my head in this moment, in this instance, I probably was like, I don't know. What, what age did you start riding a bike without training wheels? Four or five? Someone say 10? That's... Uh, that's a little delay. No, I'm just kidding. I don't remember how old that was. I think it was before first grade. I was riding a bike. I didn't have training wheels. That's all I remember. And I remember that this kid that I was racing against probably said something mean. I, again, I don't know. I don't remember. But I remember that I was going to race against him and I was going to win. And maybe he said something mean to me. Maybe he said something mean to my sister. Just infuriates me. I don't remember what he said. I don't even know if he said anything. All I knew is that I was going to race him and I needed to win. Like, it was imperative. Like, I had to at all costs. And so I remember I got on my green and black little bicycle, and we lined up right next to him. I was here. He was there. I don't know, remember what his bike looks like. And I looked at the end, the finish line. I did my stretches, whoo, touched toes. I got on the bike, and I started to pedal. And I started to pedal. And I started to pedal for dear life. I remember one point I stood up from the seat, and I was like, pedaling as fast as I can. And I remember looking up at him, looking at the finish line, looking at him, looking at the finish line. Now, I don't remember all the details specifically. I remember that at the finish line, there was a wall. And I remember thinking, I'm not sure how we're going to stop. But I remember going and going and going and looking at him, looking at the wall, looking at him, looking at the wall. And I'm not sure exactly what happened. But I remember our bikes getting closer and closer and closer together and thinking to myself, we're going to crash. And suddenly, I opened up my eyes and I was in my bathroom floor. My mom was standing over me with like this panic look. My sister had the phone, ready to call 911. And I don't know what happened. <laughs> and so I talked to my mom. I asked my sister what happened. Basically, what happened was we collided. We were both racing, trying to go as fast as we could. Boom, smashed, hit. I don't know if we hit our, our each other, if we hit the wall, a little bit of everything, the ground, the pavement. Somehow my mom came out, picked me up, and brought me all the way home. And when I woke up, she laid me down in the bathroom floor. I opened up my eyes, and she was staring over me with, like, tears in her eyes. My sister was ready to call 911. I was like, what's up? And I don't remember many other details, but I do remember this, that fortunately, I don't even know if I was wearing a helmet, <laughs> to be honest with you. But fortunately, I didn't get hurt. 
whether I had a helmet or not, my head in that case was safe. But a helmet is so important because if you actually read the purpose of a helmet, it is to absorb the shocks that would otherwise hurt the brain. Now, when Trevor spoke, he talked about the breastplate of righteousness. He said that covers a super vital organ. But it's interesting because in, in comparison to the heart, the brain, it, it probably is the same level of damage, the same level of, of importance. But what happens is the heart is such a small target in a larger target, which is your torso. But a brain, if you could hit someone's head and do damage there, is so much more lethal. It's deadly. It's dangerous. That's why it is so important to wear a helmet at all times with sports and contacts and sports and riding your bike and skateboarding and everything, even when it feels annoying. Because it absorbs the shock that would otherwise happen to your head. But the important part is that your brain, the interesting part is that your brain holds this vital organ. It's delicate. It's, it's something you got to watch out for. It's, it's imperative that you keep it safe. Now, when it comes to our physical side, our physical brain, it's important. If you're in a sport, if you're playing football or something else, you got to be careful. you got to watch out for those kind of things. It's in a physical sense, your brain is one of the most important things to watch out for, to be careful for. But not just in a physical sense, also in a spiritual sense. You know, the scripture that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. You know, when it says that, it's actually saying, love God with everything that you have, with all of yourself. But a lot of it, a lot of times, scripture is full of verses that talk about our mind and the importance about what goes on in our brain, in our heads, in our minds with relation to how we believe and move forward with the rest of everything else. And guys, what I want to tell you tonight is the, the enemy, the devil is scheming and he's trying to attack us. And an area where he's winning today is in the area of our brains, in our minds. Think about this. If he could win in your mind, if you could think to yourself that you're defeated before you even battle, if you could think in your head that something is wrong before it even happens, then he's already won halfway. He's already has a step ahead of you. Our mind is such an important place where this goes down, where it's important that we guard ourselves, where it's important that we're careful, where it's important that we set up boundaries. And the helmet the Roman guards, when they would put on their armor, we said the first thing they put on was the belt. Everything would kind of cinch to it. Everything would lock in place. Everything would, would get connected to it, the weapons, everything. And then the last piece of defensive armor that they would take was the helmet. To put it on, to place it over their head, to defend themselves in one of the most vital places ever. And when it comes to spiritual terms, our brains, our minds are one of the most important places that we need to defend. If we understand that the battle is real, then we need to defend ourselves in our minds. I don't think it's a coincidence. Nowadays, more than ever, I talk to so many students, and it happens in middle school, and it happens in high school, where we're, we're focused and we're, we're stressed out. We have these anxieties. We have these, these thoughts that we can't deal with, that we can't process. We're worried about all of these things. All of this is going on in our heads, in our minds, and I'm here tonight to say we can pick up a piece of armor that God has given us that will help us to defend ourselves in these moments. And it's called, as it says here in this verse in Ephesians, the helmet of salvation. Now, when we say salvation, what are some of the things that we think about? This is an interactive time. If I say salvation, what do you think of? Being saved, a savior. What else? Salvation, heaven. Good. What else? A safe place, very good. 
Whenever we talk about it in church terms, typically when we talk about salvation, we think about stuff about heaven. We think about kind of the end of our lives. We think about the fact that at some point or another, if we grew up in church, we came, maybe it was a conference, maybe it was confirmation, maybe it was a retreat, maybe it was a night in this room where, we, where someone presented and said, in order to receive salvation, you have to accept Jesus in your life. Have you ever heard something like that before? And that is something that saves you from, from hell, and it puts you in a place in eternity called heaven. And that's, that's accurate, but it's not complete of a, of a description. It's an accurate picture, but it's not a complete picture. It's not the whole, not the entirety. You see, when we talk about salvation, we talk about entering to a relationship with God, we understand that we are sinners, that we have done stuff that's wrong. Scripture says all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And it says that the payment, the wages for that sin is death, eternal separation in a real place called hell. But the Hebrew people, the Jewish people understood that when God spoke of salvation, it had kind of these two pieces to it. It had a current reality and future implications. You see, yes, it had to do with their going to to, to heaven one day, but it also had a current reality. I try to rack my brain to think about what else can, can illustrate this. How else can I explain this? And the thing that comes closest to it in my mind is brushing your teeth. How many of you guys like to brush your teeth? Like, I just like the, the, the clean feeling, the sensation in my mouth. Like I just, I like to think my breath is fresh. But I'll be honest with you. If I fall asleep on the couch late at night, and I get up, and I'm like, oh, man, it's like 1 o'clock. I got to get in the bed. And I start going. The first thing that I want to do is skip brushing my teeth. Can I get an Amen. Only if you really mean it. (laughs) No. The idea is this. You don't have to brush your teeth right now. It's okay to skip once. It's okay to skip twice. Don't tell your dentist. It's okay if you don't do those things in the moment, but it's going to have future implications. Something in the future is going to go wrong. Your teeth are going to rot out and they're going to fall. So they say. I don't know. If you brush your teeth every single day, the current reality, the current present moment of you being disciplined, of getting up and brushing your teeth, and even when you're tired and don't want to do it, or even when you think you don't need it, or even if you're doing it a third time a day, an extra time a day, the, the current reality is that you're maintaining and brushing your teeth and taking care of it. The implication is that your teeth are going to be okay. Uh, another example of this is, is our boy James just got married on, on Friday. Let's get a shout out. He can't hear us, but woo! James got married on Friday. He's, I think, I forget where I think they're in Mexico right now. He's coming back. He'll be here next week. But when he went through that engagement process, an engagement process is just like that. The current reality is you're not married, but you were promised to be married. You've decided in this moment, I love you. I'm committing to you. I'm giving you a ring, the first part of the ring, as a symbol, as a commitment to what's going to happen in a handful of months. And the same way, Salvation is meant to be viewed not just as this like fireproof insurance someday I hope I don't end up in hell. But salvation has some, some real, clear, present realities. So when we talk about the helmet of salvation, to put it over our minds, to guard ourselves, it means that we need to start to think, not just in terms of, hey, someday it's going to be great because I'm going to be with God in heaven. But what does that do to me today? How does it affect my now? And not just my now, but what about my past? And what about my future? And so for the rest of our time, I want to talk to us thinking a little bit about what happens with our thoughts in the past, what happens with our thoughts here and now in the present, and what happens with our thoughts in the future. 
Now, so much can be said about this, but when it comes to salvation, one of the biggest hesitations that people have with the past is they say, what I have done in the past is so bad that God can't forgive me. Like, like people, I've had conversations like, no, Stout, I hear what you're saying. I understand salvation. I understand what you're explaining to me. I understand what you're saying, but you don't understand my past. You don't understand the things that I've done. You don't understand the things that I've said, the things that I've seen, that I've sent. You don't understand what I have done is so bad that God can't forgive me. Some of us live in this place. We think what I have done, the way I've thought, the way I've acted is so bad that God can't transform that, that nothing can be done of that. We have these regrets, things that we wish, and I'm honest, I'll be honest with you guys. By your guys' age, there were things in my life that I thought, and there's no way that God's going to still look at me and still give me forgiveness or still look at me and still give me salvation. And we worry about what's in our past blocking us from what is to come. For some of us, the ideas and the thoughts that are in the present are what get us in trouble. You see, so many people in church today, especially here in America, especially here in South Carolina, especially here in Lexington, think, man, I I prayed and asked Jesus to be in my life. Or they think, man, I was baptized uh, a long time ago. Or I got baptized and and went through confirmation. Or I'm a part of this youth group, Mount Hope students, woo, I got the bumper sticker on my car. And we think, man, we've done these things now. We've said this stuff now, and all I have to do now is wait till someday when I die and I can go to God and say, I'm here, where's heaven? You see, so many of us are, are, are here in the present, and we think that the decision that we've made to follow Jesus just means that we just got to sit back, relax, kick our feet up, and someday we'll face him and be like, all right, I said the prayer. And yet God wants for so much more for us in the present. He wants us to live a life where we're not sinning. He wants us to live a life where we're moving forward, making decisions not according to our own will and desires, but according to Scripture, according to what his word says. And then when we have temptation when something comes in front of us, when we have a decision, a choice to be made between good and evil that we would choose here, now, in the present to follow him and decide what is the right choice. So some of us get tripped up with our thoughts in the past. Some of us have some issues with our thoughts in the present. And some of us, and this is where it is just growing, are people who are struggling with their thoughts about the future. I'm telling you guys, more and more people are struggling with anxiety with worry, and, and, and experts think it's tied somehow to this device. It's interesting. It's crazy to think that this connects us to everyone in an instant. It connects us to the whole world right here, right now. And yet this is what creates anxiety and worry and fears of the future. That Maybe I'm going to die. Maybe something is going to happen to me. Maybe something's going to happen to my family. Maybe someone's going to get sick. Maybe if I do this thing and we start to worry and and build up anxiety and construct in our minds these crazy thoughts, and we're seeing this younger and younger and younger. The devil would love nothing more than to come into your mind, whether it's your thoughts of the past or your thoughts of the present or your thoughts of the future, he would love nothing more than to come in and, 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 and wrestle with those and mess with those and scheme against you and find your weakness and whisper lies into your ears about one of those times. But if we pick up the helmet of salvation, that means that God will help us as we fight through each and every one of those. 
It means God will help us and he'll direct us and he'll guide us and, and he'll guide our thoughts in the past. He'll guide our thoughts in the present. He'll guide our thoughts of the future. He can help us win the battle inside our minds. And so when it comes to our, 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 our regrets from the past, if you have your scriptures, turn with me to Psalm 103, verse 12. We're going to put it on the screen as well. But Psalm 103, verse 12 says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You see, the idea is that the east and the west don't touch. The east and the west are so far spread out. The east and the west aren't in the near vicinity. Psalm 103 is saying, if you have sinned in the past, if you've done something wrong in your past, God still forgives you. God still desires to forgive those mistakes. God still desires to forgive those things that you have done wrong. We are the ones that develop in our minds, this is unforgivable. This is something that God can't tolerate. This is something God can't fathom. This is something that, 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 that God won't allow. And yet he says, I've forgiven it. I have forgotten it as far as the east is from the west. The east and west never touch. Because that's how far I've removed it from you. Once I've forgiven it, I'm not thinking about it anymore. I've done away with it. You don't need to think about it either. And so if our minds get stuck in our past, if our minds get stuck in our mistakes, if our minds get stuck in our failures, if our minds get stuck in all of the, the, the filth that's in our past, we can receive freedom. We can guard ourselves with the helmet of salvation to say, no, God has forgiven me of this. He's removed it from me. our struggle is in the present, in the here and the now, we said it's easy for us to think, well, I've said this prayer, I go to this church, I did confirmation, check the box, check the box, check the box, I don't have to do anything else until the end, and then God will say, no, you could be saved. No, God desires so much more for us. He desires for us in our lives to live every day according to his will. He wants us to surrender our thoughts. He wants us to surrender our actions. He wants everything that we do to be in step with him. And this is so difficult because we see temptation come in. We see all these opportunities to sin, all these opportunities to do wrong, to make wrong decisions. And that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You see, here and now in the present, no matter what you face, no matter what comes against you, no matter what choice and decision you have, God's providing you a way out. He says you're not going to be tempted more than you can handle. That means that any temptation that comes to you, any desire that you have, anything that seems impossible in the moment really isn't impossible. And if we can understand that with our minds... And we can overcome that. If we can believe the truth of Scripture in that moment, say, God has provided with, for me a way out. Where is the way out? I need to take it. Thoughts of the past, God wants to remind us that he's forgiven you. Our thoughts of the present, God wants to remind you that there's no temptation too big for you to say no to. You can live and walk and step in relationship with him. And when it comes to the future, our worries anxieties, pressures, fear of death, 
whatever it is that occupies our thoughts when we think to the future. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be, re- but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may know, sorry, that you may be able to, to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his perfect, pleasing will. But that you would be renewed, that you would be transformed, that your mind would seek differently than how you've always seen it. That you would start to see your walk in relationship with him in a new way based on his scripture. You see, guys, too often we allow everything in life to happen and to affect us. Where really God is saying, I want you to take my word, I want you to take what what the Bible says, and I want you to let this affect the way you live. I want this to be a lens through which you see the world. So that when you look at things, you allow it to come, you allow the direction and the directive to come from his word. So we don't have to fear the future. We don't have to fear what's going to happen. Because we've gone to the end of the book. We've read what, what happens, and, and God wins. And he provides us salvation for you and for me. If we understand that there's a very real battle going on, if we understand that Satan is scheming, trying to take us down, if we understand that, that this is a real thing that is happening, that we can start to see that God can save me from my past. The helmet of salvation, if I put it on, if I, if I look at my past through that lens, God can save me from my past. God saves me here and now in my present. In my everyday circumstances, he provides me constantly with a way out, with a way to move forward, with a way to say no to temptation, and God will save me in my future. Salvation does come. Salvation is promised to us, and the Holy Spirit is given to us as, an, as a guarantee of that salvation. What he said will come to pass. We need to start to believe it. Sometimes believing starts with our mind. A long time ago, I was visiting with my aunt at a science fair. And at the science fair, I had the opportunity to go on this little bicycle across a, a tightrope. And I was super nervous. I'm, I've always told people about my fear of bees, but I have another secret fear, and that's fear of heights. Not like this kind of height, but like high up heights. And I was so worried and so nervous because th- there was this activity and my brothers were doing it. And I decided I was going to do it too, where you would get on this little bicycle. There was a little seatbelt strap and you would strap onto the tightrope and ride across the tightrope and back. And the little bicycle was fitted to go on the tightrope and it had this little counterweight that came underneath. And it was like this big giant, it looks like a, a bucket of paint, but like a big one. And it was filled with something, I don't know if it was steel or concrete, but it was like a counterweight. And so they explained to us scientifically, they said, you could ride this bike out to the middle and you could rock as hard as you want to the left and to the right. And because of this big counterweight underneath, you would never fall. Or it would take so much for you to tip over that you actually wouldn't be able to physically do that. They explained it to us. It made sense up in here. But when I got on that bike and I started to pedal, my fear started to kick in. I started to think of all the times that I had fallen from bikes. In my past, I started to think about the pressure in the moment of everyone watching me and my, my brothers teasing me if I was going to chicken out. And I started to think about what would happen if I did fall. There was a net. I thought this would be a disaster. And I allowed all those thoughts to influence me in 
negatively, to come and to scare me and to conquer. And, and, and eventually it came to my, from my mind to my actions, and I stopped and I froze. I had all the information, but I wasn't living it out. I had all the information up in my mind, but it was getting confused and it was getting jumbled with experience. And so I started to backpedal and I pulled back up and I chickened out about one or two feet down the road. You see, our minds are powerful. Our minds will actually control if we will do something or not do something. Our minds will speak to us or tell us, hey, this is too scary. This is okay. This is bad. This is danger. Get out. So if we're filling our minds with the gospel of salvation, if we're allowing to remind ourselves that God wants to forgive our past, it doesn't matter what we've done, he's willing to offer forgiveness. If we allow God to inform our minds that right here, right now, in the present, he's giving me a way out of temptation and I can live for him. And if we're willing for God's word to say, hey, you don't have to fear the future because I'm gonna direct you, I'm gonna guide you, I'm gonna lead you. And ultimately, in the end, we win. If we allow for those things to happen, then it's so much harder for the devil to attack us in our minds. We've got our defenses up. We've got the helmet on. We've got the truth. We're ready to fight against the enemy. I want you guys to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want you to think for a second tonight. Where is the battle strongest for you? When it comes to your thoughts, when it comes to your mind, where is it most difficult for you? Is it your past? Do you think to yourself, Stout, if only you saw what I did? Do you think to yourself, Stout, you don't understand what what I've done really is bad? Do you think, no, you don't understand? God forgives, but this situation is really tricky and complicated and difficult. Maybe for you, the battle is now. You desire to do what is right, but it's so much easier to choose what is wrong sometimes. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Maybe you need to be reminded that God gives you a way out every single time. Or maybe for you, the battle's in the future. You're worried about what's going to happen. You're anxious about what will come to pass. You don't like new situations, scary scenarios, everything. It preoccupies you. It bothers you. Maybe you need to renew your mind trust that God will do what he has said. Lord Jesus, would you work in a powerful way tonight? Speak to our hearts. Students, myself, leaders, worship team. Father, reveal to us the thoughts that are not of you thoughts that are of our own will, our own sinful nature, the thoughts that get in our way, the lies that the enemy whispers to us. And help us, Father God, to put on this last piece of defensive armor that we may guard our minds, that our thoughts would be coming and informed from your scripture, from what you say to us, from what you have taught us, from what you teach us, Lord Jesus, and not from what we're thinking and how we're feeling, that we would be informed by your word, by your scripture. Move forward knowing that there is victory in these areas. There's victory in our past. There's victory in our present. And there is definitely victory, Father, in our future because of what you've done on the cross for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus. And we ask all these things in your holy name.